Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm here. I'm alive. Yes, we are. Guys, it was a long day. This is the days where they were reminded that the long finish is named for a reason. It is a long finish to haven't, this day. I haven't talked much about the kids. We'll get into that in a minute. But welcome to episode 61 of the long finish. Really excited about this episode. I had a blast doing last week. And we kind of want to keep delving into some new worlds. And we're going to delve really for the first time I can remember ever Catherine drinking wine we're going to talk about the southern hemisphere that's it we're going down south where exactly down south are we going tonight Catherine? and what are we drinking so we're going to south africa and i'm excited about that because one i don't drink that many wines from south africa i don't even taste that many wines from south africa but two producers recently have come across my desk that I'm really excited about, both brought to Los Angeles by Amy Atwood Wines. And the two, the names of the wineries are Aslina and Kumusha, both South African wineries, two black South African winemakers, which is not the norm. And the wines are fantastic. And we're tasting, we just opened and we are just tasting four wines from these producers tonight, which is super fun. We're going to do a tasting of one of them, but they're all in the shop and we'll get to like just a little bit of a story about both the producers. Excited to hear more about that and hear more about why these are the wines that are really bringing Esther's into South Africa. So we'll talk more on that in a little bit, but let's get into a little recap of our week, what's been going on. Today was tough because, you know, it was my day. As you all know, we alternate days on who gets up for the kids. It was my day to get up. So I got up, 5.30, watched some Paw Patrol, some Puppy Dog Pals, some Mickey Mouse Club, made some eggs. This was a long day, and I was never off. We had to go to a we went to soccer. Our, our son does a little soccer camp, which is not really soccer, by the way. The teacher's great. She is a... They just run in circles, They just right? run around. They yeah. just run. There's really no... They're, they're four years old. They don't do anything. They're just they, being, they're being but with their they friends. bring soccer balls, and, yes, and uh, there's a guise of soccer. Well, what's funny is that it's also it's this little park in Venice, California, where there's also half a dozen baseball games going on at the same time. It's like a little bit of a minefield of athletics because you know one foul ball, you're just like ball. You know, kids are running around <laughs> like it's just it's craziness over at this park. So did that. Got our son a haircut because it's picture week. Got to have your child looking good for picture week. We got to. And then the biggest news is close on a house. We closed on a house. Close on a house. We don't want to bury the lead. That's huge. But our landlord did come over very quickly to sort of renovate our place. We've been in this place for 14 years. So we brought over a cabinet guy to basically remodel the kitchen of our house. And it's yeah. like. They were here for an hour today yeah. talking about the remodel of the place. We're kind of like, wait, what? Yeah. What happened? This would have been great five years ago, Ask, folks. You know, and they're asking our opinions. Like, do, do we want to do a little breakfast nook for the kitchen? <laughs> I'm like, are you doing whatever you want? It's not our place anymore. But I was happy to weigh in because I really like to weigh in on aesthetics like that. The funny thing is, before we move into our house, is that, do we talk about this? Our bathroom last week, our two kids were bathing. 
and this four tiles <laughs> just fell into the water. And there was like an open hole <laughs> in our bathtub, you know, where the tiles are. And to patch this, they're like, we'll, we'll fix it after you leave. So we have to spend the month with this <laughs> open sore in the bathtub. And it's just covered. We cut open Ziploc bags and duct tape. I mean, it's pathetic. It's really. The kids are so, <laughs> the kids were so scared when the tiles like fell off the wall into the tub. They screamed bloody murder. Like the house is falling down. And now they don't want to go in there. The first day, they didn't even go in the bathroom. They wouldn't even go in there. Now they'll go in the bathroom, but they don't want to go in the bathtub. So we're like, oh, oh man, we got to do these, you know, army showers with them. And anyway, we'll make it work. But it's sort of like, I think this is the sign. It, our house is, go. the apartment's falling apart. I actually just want to see some Zillow post from somewhere where it's just the worst, where it's just a person's bathroom. <laughs> With a Ziploc bag covering some <laughs> holes and be like, do you want to buy this house? In LA, it's $899,000. And that's what it's starting at. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. It's going to go to at least yeah. 1.2. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So we're, we're packing up and getting ready to move. We'll break down all the details and probably one of the last episodes from this, this apartment. But big news in our world is we are moving. We're moving at the end of the month. So got a couple more episodes to get in. But we're going to a new home. And um, excited about it. I could not be more excited. We are both excited. Let's say, let's just say though that I would like to move in the next, I don't know, twenty minutes. And Tug is, you know, more nostalgic about it than I am. I love this you place. See the, yeah, and I'm I love like, the Ziploc bags. I'm, I love the holes. I'm like, we got <laughs> to go. <laughs> A lot of great things going for this place. The the views are unmatched. So I'll miss it, but... Yeah, if you need a rental in Santa Monica... Yeah. And you don't mind holes in your bathtub. <laughs> well, it's going to get I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. Anyway, it's a good place for someone out there. So more to come on that. We are excited. But it is talking about good places. Let's talk about South Africa and South African wines. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be an awesome place to visit? Your parents went a few years they ago. They did. But when I was reading up on it, just the pictures are breathtaking. So beautiful and an interesting history and so many different people and places to see. Like, uh, I know every week we talk about this. We're like, this is on the list. But like, that's the, so it's the one of the wonderful things about wine is just that you get to talk about it and imagining visiting these places. Especially wine and COVID. It's like you're just staying at home dreaming about places you want to go. So you just start putting together these wish lists of like, you know what, let's do this. So where are we going? So we're going to South Africa. And let me just say, I don't know a ton about Southern Hemisphere wines. Not a ton come across the desk at Esther's. You know, some Australian, some New Zealand, some from South America. And I get to know bits and pieces of them. Some great wineries. What's hard to find and what I, especially why we haven't had that many South African wines, although we have had some, is the small boutique wineries that don't have a giant price tag. So it's kind of been one or the other. And same with Australia. We'll find something that we really love, a great winery. It's just a little expensive. And then a lot of the stuff that we find just is from, you know, bigger wineries that produce a lot of wine. And that's just not what we do at Esther's. So finding wines that are in the right price point and fit our ethos 
is a little bit challenging, but these wines really do. And I was excited about them. The other reason, you know, that I don't taste or know as much about Southern Hemisphere wines is because the people that introduced me to wine didn't have as much knowledge or passion about those regions either. They're really excited about France and Italy and Spain and some of California. And that's what I got into too. My basic understanding of the Southern Hemisphere is all from classes that I took and studying for wine courses. And I will just take a second to say that's a huge plug for wine courses. That's a huge reason to do WSET or UCLA Vintage Program or to do some kind of wine program is just to make you study a region that you're not always picking wine from that region off the shelf. It's really good because then when you go back to it on a night like tonight, you're like, oh, I have learned something about this place before. You know, I did study this at some point. I did memorize these regions. I do know a little bit about this. It's really helpful. Anyway, that's my plug for WSET. People think I'm just a freeloader when it comes to wine, but I'll have you know, I also took the UCLA courses. Yes, you did. I remember some of these things as well. So when I impart some wisdom tonight, no, it's coming from... UCLA. Okay, so here's just a tiny little itsy bitsy briefing on South Africa, right? The history of wine actually dates back to the mid 1600s with a Dutchman who started a winery there. But really, in the 1900s, and it wasn't really, wine was never really exported and it wasn't a big production. Probably, like I did a comparison, in 1990, 30% of grape production was for wine and 70% was for brandy. Brandy was for most of it. And one reason that not a lot of wine got out is because there were international boycotts on products from South Africa because of apartheid. But then when that ended, things started to change around the early 2000s. More exports, more fine wine, more flying winemakers. What that means is winemakers from the Northern Hemisphere coming to do a harvest in the Southern Hemisphere when they were free, when they were available. This really started as a thing in South America and Australia where, you know, winemakers from California or France realized, oh, I could actually harvest and make two wines a year instead of just one. Cool thought. So now it's flipped. As of 2003, 70% of the production was wine, 30% brandy. And it's just growing more and more all the time. So there are tons of regions that produce wine. They have an appellation system called wine of origin, much like almost every other country we know that started in the 70s that dictates what you can grow, how you grow it. As far as what's grown, top of the list, Chenin Blanc. Second is Cabernet Sauvignon. There's more white produced though than red. Other grape varieties, Columbard, Syrah, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, Pinotage, that's their claim to fame, although not doesn't have the popularity of the Cabernet Sauvignon, and Merlot. And probably the most famous region is Stellenbosch. 
That's where the wine university is. It's like where most of the tourism is. It's kind of like the Napa of um, South Africa. And you can, like a lot of the pictures of vineyards are from Stellenbosch. You'll see these like coasts and then like these granite mountains. And the best vineyards are where the granite has come down into the vineyards and creates like a really special minerality. What's the name for Shannon down there? Steen. Steen. So when you see a South African wine called Steen varietal, Chenin Blanc. Blanc. So probably everyone knows where South Africa is, right? Okay. Southern tip of the African continent. Mediterranean. And as I said, remember, seasons are flip-flop. So the harvest there is not September, October. It's February, March. But let's get into these wines. That's the skinny of the history there. Let's do it. Okay, so the first winery I'm talking about is Kumusha Wines. The winemaker is Tanashi Namudoka. Hopefully I pronounced that right, but he's from Zimbabwe. And his story is so cool. He was a manager at a grocery store in Zimbabwe. And when they had a huge economic crisis in the early 2000s, in 2008, he moved to South Africa. He got a job polishing silverware at a restaurant in Cape Town. Totally fell in love with wine. He became then a waiter at Nobu, quickly became a Psalm at Nobu, and then worked at some of the best restaurants and hotels in Cape Town. <laughs> I just love this story. That's incredible. It's awesome. And now he lives in Johannesburg and he makes wine in the Breedkaloof Valley. He really wants to make natural wines. All his wines have the... Um, are certified SWSA, which is like a sustainable certification that it actually means something in South Africa, unlike some other places where sustainable sort of doesn't mean anything. And he's a member of WITA or W-I-E-T-A, which is Fair Treatment of Workers. And he's making natural wine. And th this is a, such a cool quote from him. He says, for black Africans, wine is not historically part of our culture. I wanted to create a wine to help change that. And Kumusha, the name of the winery, in the Zimbabwean Shona language means your home or your roots or your origin. Rad. Okay, so the story is so great, right? But last week we talked about the wine's got to come first. So let's taste this. Oh, I will say this. You flip-flopped this. I did. Yeah. You actually broke your own rule. I broke my own rule, but here's what I did. I saw these wines. I trusted the person who brought them to Los Angeles. Yep. I know what she's bringing in. I read the story. I was like, wow, okay, let me just taste these. Yeah. I'm not going to get put them on the shelf or get very many of them. Let yeah. me just get a few. Just for me. Just to try. Make sure they're delicious, and they are. We tried tonight the Sauvignon Blanc. We tried this other white called the Flame Lily, which is a blend of Roussan, Chenin Blanc, Colombard, and Semillon. Fantastic white. And this one you like is for someone, I said, this might be complicated for some people, and you said it might be perfect for whom? Well, the white blend that I just mentioned would be, might be great for someone who likes a bigger white like a Chardonnay because it has a lot of richness to it, a lot of texture, a little more alcohol. It's 13.5%. But yeah, it's not like the zippy white. Now, the Sauvignon Blanc is absolutely Southern Hemisphere, zippy, zippy, grassy, jalapeno Sauvignon Blanc. We talk about this a lot 
in the classes, I remember the Southern Hemisphere Sauvignon Blancs talking about maybe New Zealand is the comp, right? Yep. And with those New Zealand some Southern Hemisphere wines, Sauv Blancs, that's the indicator, right? A lot of times grassy. It's the other ones? Well, they tend to have that gooseberry thing. Which, let me tell you, I can honestly say I've never had a gooseberry no, or, or smelled a gooseberry. Yeah. Uh, I guess I know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, I could do it in a blind tasting and say gooseberry, even though I'd <laughs> be like, never really yeah. had a gooseberry. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, though. That's the beauty of wine, right? It's a common language. We don't know what a gooseberry is. Never heard of it. <laughs> no, I'm going to get a call from some sommelier after this, like sending me a UPS box with gooseberry in it. That's right. But it does have the quintessential Southern Hemisphere quality. It does. It does. Which is that grassiness that... And I always think of jalapeno. There you go. That that just really... So electric. More electric. More kind of like zingy than the French Sauvignon Blanc or... Or even California Sauvignon Blanc. It's just different. I know a lot of people out there love... New Zealand's Southern Hemisphere Saab Blancs. So if you're looking to sort of expand your horizon a little bit, look into South Africa too, because that really tasted on par with the, what they're making. Absolutely. So then we had the uh, the white blend. And now we are going to taste the 2019 Cabernet Sauvignon from Kumusha. I guess a dark ruby in color, but I can see through it just a little bit. It's not totally opaque. Seems a little bit lighter at the rim. Looks to be medium body, medium legs here. Alcohol is 13.5, which is absolutely so reasonable for Cabernet Sauvignon. On the nose, I get raspberry, red plum, black plum. Definitely like some kind of coffee. That little bit of Cabernet pencil shaving that is so textbook. Little chocolate and like just like a dried dusty soil a little bit of oak as well like some baking spices that's about it i don't get any of that dark cassis or anything like super dense it's sort of bright let's taste it the palate to me is just red fruit baking spices nice acidity it's medium bodied it's got medium plus acid more medium tannin not even heavy tannin it's bright, it's juicy, it's drinkable. This is not the heavy Cabernet Sauvignon to age in your cellar. This is drink right now. It's very affordable. It's a screw top too, which says, go ahead and drink this. Open it up, people. So I like it. I love that he's making a wine for the people that the people can afford and the people can enjoy. You do not need a master's degree to enjoy this. It's just ready to go. Thoughts? I like it a lot. And I think one thing you mentioned is for the people. You also mentioned the affordability. A lot of times people go looking for cabs, California cabs, and California cabs are pricey. I mean, they're just expensive because people, again, we talk about the market, right? People want to drink cabs. So therefore, I don't know how hard it is to grow cab. I mean, you know better than I do. But what I do know is that the market says it's in demand. People want it, so therefore the price goes up. This feels like some nice arbitrage from a Napa cab and say, hey, let me go get this affordable Southern Hemisphere cab for a much more affordably priced bottle. I mean, it's it's like this is like a weeknight wine. It's Absol- a cab. It is. It's a weeknight wine. Delicious. Delicious. Yeah. And goes with whatever you want to cook. You know, like you want to make a hamburger, you want to make like, you know, 
mama's meatballs and sauce. This would be great. You want to just get a burrito on your way home. This would be delicious. Like you don't need to get fancy. So great. But if you do want to get fancy, we do have another wine that you want to mention, I know, that yes. you're excited about. So this is the other winemaker that I was talking about, who is Antiki Biela. She is the first black woman to own a winery in South Africa. How cool is Incredible. that? Okay, so her story is she'd never really had wine. She studied winemaking at Stellenbosch University on a scholarship from South African Airways. Graduated 2003. And she right away got a job as winemaker for a wine a winery called Stella Kaya, where she was there for 13 years, and then started her own winery in 2017 called Aslina, which is the name of her late grandmother, who is her inspiration. Beautiful name. And we tasted a Chardonnay from her a couple weeks ago that we thought was really fantastic. And then tonight we're tasting a red, which is called Umsasane or Umsasan. I'm not sure how to pronounce that correctly, but it's a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc and Petit Verdot, which is not as inexpensive as the Kamusha, but is incredibly delicious, more complex, absolutely fabulous. And I should say that she also, all her wines have the environmental and economic sustainability with SWSA. And she's also a member of the WITA, the W-I-E-T-A for Fair Treatment of Workers. You would imagine. I mean, this woman has overcome insane challenges and massive racism because she does not look like the average South African winemaker. But the wines are fantastic. I mean... Both winemakers we're discussing tonight have very unique stories to arrive at, you know, the highest pinnacle in South African wine. I mean, it's awesome to see. So you answered the question about food. So let's go to the second question I always ask, which is, how do people get these wines? Whether it's these wines or wines from South Africa that we can trust, how can you steer people in the right direction? Well... I would say it's not easy to find a great wine from South Africa from a small producer. Well, that's also affordable. You really have to kind of look for that and know someone at your local wine store that's passionate about that or a restaurant that's going to have some great wines on the list. Now, all of these you can get at Esther's and make a little plug here we are featuring all these in the wine club this month as well so if you join before the 15th in all three levels of the club you'll be getting at least one of these winemakers if not both of these winemakers and you get a white and a red you get the stories of the wines you get tags and you can also come in for a night where i'm going to pour you some wine eat some cheese, and um, enjoy night out at Esther's or get free shipping, whatever you want. Anyway, just a little plug for the wine club because that's a way, easy way to always try new wines that we have, including these. We never really talk about wine clubs on this podcast, but we think wine clubs, whether it's at Esther's or anywhere else, you always said you want to join multiple wine clubs because you just like to see what people are curating. Yes. Now, and I should differentiate, there are several kinds of wine clubs. One is one directly from a winery. Correct. Where if you love the winery, you just want to get their new releases all the time, which is, that's so great and it's so it's the best way to support a winery that you absolutely love. I probably wouldn't do that in my line of work because 
I get to buy those wines. However, I would love to join wine clubs from restaurants or other wine shops because I love the idea of someone picking new wines for me every month. Things that I wouldn't pull off the shelves and surprising me and knowing the stories of these new wines. So that kind of wine club I would like to join. The last thing I'll ask you because we never again we never talk about the wine club or that often. You have a real passion for this wine club. You spend a lot of time working on it, thinking about it. Where does that passion come from in curating these wines for the club? I love these people in the wine club. I love the wine club members. Some of them have been members since we started the club four years ago. And we used to have kind of like, you know, a monthly pickup party. And I got to know a lot of the people. So every time I'm picking wines, I'm thinking about the people. Oh, well, is Perry going to like this red, you know? Is Elizabeth going to like this white? You know, I think about people in the club. And if any of you are listening, which I know many of you do, know that I always think about you. And some of our listeners have now become members because I think they like that idea of getting new wines curated. And that's where your passion lies. Again, we talked about it last week, just finding and discovering new wines. And that's part of what you want to do with the wine club is saying, I just want to introduce you to think wines that I think are awesome. Yeah, right? and talking about something different. So this month is talking about South Africa and these exciting winemakers or sometimes we've done a theme before where we had ugly labels like hey these are wines to get to know even don't let the label fool you it looks so bad but let's try it or let's just have great wines for Thanksgiving here's what I would choose always around the holidays let's get some new bubbles you know making it new and festive always whether it's Esther's wine club or whoever just take the opportunity to look into your local neighborhood wine shop and get involved with their wine club. Yeah, I think it's a really fun way. And then you'll also, they'll get to know you and what you've liked. So that's great. I mean, I was excited for this episode because I don't know how many times you and I have talked about Southern Hemisphere wines in the 12 years that we've been really into wine. So this is a really cool opportunity. It's a cool opportunity for people that are in Santa Monica or uh, or have access to esters. If you have any questions about the wines, always hit us up on the, the long finish on Instagram. Happy to answer those and get into these wines. I think they're really cool. And again, you know me, I love great wines at a great value. And I think these wines are bringing that. Absolutely. All right, now we come to the last portion of the show, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. We bought a house, and we brought someone in to sort of advise us on a couple rooms that we want to tweak, and that's the person who helped design Esther's with us. That's Una Ryan of ORA. Una Ryan helped us design, create Esther's five and a half years ago. We thoroughly enjoyed the experience working with her. Correct, Catherine? And her, oh, she's the best. And her team. And Catherine always said, we want to bring Una back to help us if we want to make any changes to a house, if we should buy one, what we have. And, she, and late last week, probably like Wednesday, Thursday of last week, Una was nice enough to go to the new home and take a walk with us. And she sketched out some ideas. And it was just like old times, right? It was just like was being so back fun. at the Esther's pre-planning. We were looking at designs. We were making some changes, doing some pitches, and really, really fun. And you said this, like, if you weren't doing this, you want to have her job. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Down to the app that she's, or whatever, the, you know, program that she uses to build these designs. It looks so fun. She's, oh, let me just add a light in here and a light in there. It's awesome. Yep. 
love it. Always inspired by things where there's a merging of art and science, art and skill. Like she'd mapped out the parameters, the dimensions of stuff. Just such a talented and wonderful person. Una Ryan is my inspiration for the week. And if you want to see her work, you can go to her website, which we'll post on our uh, our Instagram and on the weekly episode breakdown. But also just come into Esther's and see the work she did. It's fantastic. Catherine, what do you have? So this week, my inspiration was an article in The New Yorker called How to Practice by Ann Patchett. And I love Ann Patchett. Read several of her books. She's a great writer. But I love this article, too, because it's her story of basically cleaning out the house of one of her childhood friends, of, of, of the father of one of her childhood friends when he passed. And thinking about him and all his possessions and what he accumulated and then deciding to go to her own home and go through all her possessions, you know, a decluttering. But this is a more literary and personal experience. I just thought, I mean, her writing is fantastic. It hits me right home because you think about the things that you own and when you bought them and the person you thought you were going to be or you thought you were. And then you look at yourself now and you say, am I that person? Is this me still? Anyway, it raises a lot of beautiful questions and the way she talks about her friend's father is, anyway, it's special. It's a great article, a great read. And if you want some inspiration to declutter your possessions, it's a good one. Back-to-back New Yorker articles for you as the inspiration of the week. Hey, still reading. <laughs> good for you. All right, that's it. That's it for episode 61 of The Long Finish. Episode 61 is in the books. Thanks to everyone for listening to the show. I'm going to say it again. If you have an opportunity to rate, review, and subscribe to our show, we would love to get those ratings up there into the stratosphere. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Wild Coker on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find The Long Finish at the long finish on instagram and facebook you can find the long finish on twitter at tlf pod you can find me on twitter and instagram at tug coker thanks again for listening we've got a few more episodes in store before we go on hiatus for this new baby um and a little bit of moving anyway got a new episode coming out next week really excited about it so stay tuned for that until then have a great week get those vaccines we're doing it people be safe be healthy wear masks practice social distancing have a great week and happy drinking. Ciao.